This is independent filmmaker Henrik Kuto, and I want to personally welcome you to the Time Shifters podcast. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. Your hosts, Christopher and Matt, would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with them. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow the two on Twitter, Christopher is at Time Shifters Pod, and Matt is at Movies at the Matt. Or you can send them a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. Well, now that that's out of the way, from the Time Shifter Studio, here are Christopher and Matt. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. Back in studio with Matt. Matt, how have you been? Good. Now, we don't have, you said you had a little bit of news that we can talk about, but before we do that, I think we should talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Comic Expo, which we just spent some time at this past weekend. It's actually going on right now. Yeah, as a matter of fact, <laughs> the last day is going on right now as, a, as we record. I went down all day Saturday, literally got there at 9.30, went in with the VIP, and didn't leave until 6.30, almost 7 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> I, I was think. there probably like a good five hours. Yeah, were you? And you went down Friday too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So what was the uh, what was it like? Since I wasn't there Friday, I was there Saturday. I know what it was like Saturday. First, my first time going on a Friday, which I liked because it was not nearly as crowded. Even when it got to like the peak of the day, you still had plenty of room to move around. So I might do Fridays more often. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, the day I'd like to go. There's some neat stuff they do. A um, and I think the press could probably go in and do it. They do like the VIP sort of meet and greet sort of mm-hmm. thing with like the celebrities and stuff, a lot of the media guests and, and have you. So that would be fun to go to. It's just it's something I've never been able to manage to actually get down to. Yeah. So that would be, a, that would be interesting. Um, Saturday was a good crowd. Yep. Um, by the time you all hear this, I'm hoping to have the episode – that <laughs> if with all the recordings that I did uh, with my friend Tom and I and uh, Nick Brown was there from the B-Movie cast, we all met together and so we did a, several recordings and then we went to a bunch of Q&As. And so hopefully I'll splice that all together and done like a special episode drop <laughs> before this episode actually airs. But um, we were talking that we were surprised in the morning it was pretty subdued. You know, even... 10 o'clock when the doors opened and by 11 it's like hmm, not a huge thought would see kind of more people bigger crowd and we went to 11 a.m uh panel and then by the time we got back downstairs at like 12 30 or so to grab some lunch or whatever packed yeah yeah the crowds really came in so um so yeah what was your experience on saturday uh pretty much that just seeing that slow trickle in of people but yeah right around like I probably grabbed lunch around noon and then half hour to 45 minutes later, like the lunch lines were just, you know, wrapped around yeah. the corner. Like I got there just before the line yeah, yeah, started yeah. to form. I was like, that was a smart idea. Uh-huh. Eat lunch just before everybody else does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I really liked was uh, there were a ton of artists. Yes. Way more than I, I've seen in, in years past. There were comic artists and there were just... Um, Art freelance artists, artists mm-hmm. right artists doing original work artists that did you know characters that you know uh yeah just everywhere so that that was really nice to see um it was kind of hard to pick what do i want to buy there's so many options yeah. i've managed to get out without buying anything big i picked up a couple little small 
Chotsky kind of art pieces or whatever. But uh, there was a few that I had my eye on that was like, wow, that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I do have their business cards. You know? <laughs> it might be somewhere I browse through some websites. And it might be a purchase later. Yeah, uh, There was one guy in particular I really liked. It was Michael Kulik who was actually selling one-of-a-kind art. It wasn't prints of art, or it wasn't like he'd created something and then ran a hundred of them off or whatever. Everything he had at his table was one-of-a-kind yeah. that he created. And there was a lot of similar themes. You know, he like would maybe do, he had a couple of really cool, like a, a sailing ship silhouetted against a, a, a moon, but... They were all individual. There was maybe maybe the moon was red, maybe the moon was yellow, maybe the ship was just a little different, maybe it was the angle was a little bit different. It was all done with a kind of a real rough, almost like splatter paint design or something. Is it the one that kind of looked like sand, like very textured? Um, I don't think well, it wasn't really textured. I okay. mean, it was textured. It wasn't like what I would call sand. Okay, um, it looked very much. I mean, I've got his business card here with that with I the big large drop. It. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of it artists. Be, yeah, it was right up near the. Uh, it was right up near the the front end of, okay. the, of the expo, and they were really neat. And you know, just piles of the stuff that go through, and every one of them was like, "That's good, that's good." <laughs> I mean, you could have spent thousands if you really wanted, and like wallpapered your house with the stuff. <laughs> I thought it was really neat, and he was asking like fifty, which for one of a kind, literally one of a kind that's art impressive. prints. I don't think that's all that much. And he was saying he'll actually do uh, commissions. You send him a you know a photo and some color schemes. You know, give him some samples. Fifty bucks, ten dollars shipping. I'm like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So you're yeah, in trouble. He, yeah, yeah, possibly. I was thinking our logo looked really cool in this. <laughs> in this in the this logo, style. the side of my house, my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, no, I've um, always impressed by the. Uh, the, the freelance, the artists that show up. You're right. Like you said, there are lots of comic artists, but then there are lots of just artists, the freelance artists. And a lot of them bring stuff they know that's going to sell well at a Comic-Con. Um, they'll they'll do some pop culture. They'll do some superhero stuff. But that isn't everything. If you actually start flipping through their books or whatever, you see a really good mm-hmm. example of some of the other stuff that they can do. And there's some really neat stuff and some really talented people showing up to this. Yep. Lots of authors, too. Yeah. Um, I tried to avoid actually going and getting wrapped into talking to too many of them because those are the ones I, I, I feel bad that I can't buy everyone's book. Right. Because <laughs> it's also, I know it's going to be a battle for me to actually sit down and read. Because sure. <laughs> I just, as much as I, I know I should, I always turn on the TV instead. I know it's bad. <laughs> So what else did you do while you were down there? Mostly walked the floor, uh, bumped into a few friends, talked with them. Um, but yeah, just kind of enjoyed the day. Yeah. What was your overall impression of the expo this year? Uh, I liked it. It, it is. Um, I thought this it was a little bit three for you, right? I think three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did feel that there were some bigger names there, guests wise, but I felt like overall guest wise, it was a little bit lacking. It was mostly yeah. like, oh, so and so, who was the background of this, and this other person who was on screen for eight seconds. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, can we get some stars? Yeah, up in here, yeah. Please? Tom and I commented on that too. That there were some good guests, but overall, it was kind of a. Meh, it was nice. Like, where was the guest? Right. There wasn't a big guest to center the weekend around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we went to a few Q&As. Uh, early Q&A, we went to the Will Wheaton 
uh, Q&A, which was really interesting. He's like, I probably actually left the Q&A more of a fan of Will Wheaton than I was when I went in. Okay. Um, it, was, it was real interesting. He talked a lot about his, uh, his own personal battle with mental health and depression and how, you know, the kind of the, the geek community and his life on Star Trek and everything is really what kind of saved him. You know, uh, so I thought that was really interesting in the way he talked and how open he was about it all, and that he's been really a big advocate for kind of destigmatizing uh, mental health. But yeah, it was pretty early in the morning, um, so it wasn't a huge crowd, not as much as I thought. It's kind of one of these things like, well, we should probably get up there and get a seat because there's liable to be a line. I walked straight in the room, went and sat wherever we wanted to sit, and like, okay, whatever. Thought not Will a lot Wheaton, of early risers. <laughs> yeah, I thought Will Wheaton would be a pretty big draw. Um, uh, then we went to the uh, the Brent Spiner, um, which was uh, pretty well attended, probably maybe about the same as the Will Wheaton, not bad. And then we decided to stick around for the uh, Firefly. The, they had four cast members of the show Firefly in the movie Serenity. That one was packed. Sure. Um, but, you know, there was, that's a popular fan, and then there was four of them all together. Unfortunately, it wasn't moderated at all. Oh, never good. Yeah. Uh, neither was the Brent Spiner, uh, for that matter, too. And that, I think, everyone that was sat and saw it that I talked to agreed that that was a mistake. Yep. Um, you really needed someone to help guide it because even the uh, the Firefly cast comes out and they seem to be surprised that it wasn't moderated. Yep. They all sat down in the wrong spot. They had a table set up with four microphones and they all sat on the center stage with the couch and just shared two microphones. Oh, jeez. And even they were like, were we supposed to be there over here? You know, as, right. you know, as uh, Alan Tudyk sat in the chair and he started kind of like mock moderating or whatever. Like he was like, oh, I got my own talk show and everything. <laughs> and that's the way the thing kind of went from right. that point on. They and, saved it as best yeah. they could. Yeah. So it was, it was disappointing. They really needed a moderator and to let them and the audience know that it was going to be strict Q&A, if that was mm-hmm. the case. Brent Spiner was the same way. He comes out there, no one's up at the mic to ask a question because no one knows no that. No send go. Yeah, exactly. And so it was finally, he had to like, nope, no, no one. And then suddenly, you know, people got up and they, they had some questions or whatever. Right. So, yes, yeah, so a little better control, a little better direction in the yep. Q&As would be my, uh, they had a really great guy last year. They had uh, Joe Stuber from Comic Book Central podcast moderating all the panels and he did a really nice job and this year uh, they they had someone moderating the will wheaton one and it was very you know who's good he kind of kept kind of keeping control and keeping the conversation moving when it needed to and uh the others could have really used that yeah yeah but yeah overall i thought it was a good expo it was definitely well attended um i think they'll see some i haven't seen any numbers yet but i think they'll be pretty high hmm yeah, good. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yep. Cosplay was really good. Yeah, there were quite a few good ones there. It annoys me every time. The way that they have it set up, they've kind of have that main big aisle that goes up the middle, mm-hmm. and then two smaller aisles on either side. I'm always in the two smaller aisle where the crowds are really, you know, you really kind of have to keep moving, and that's when you see like oh, look at that cosplay, that's awesome, but you you're kind of get a picture. forced to keep moving. You don't want to stop them and then, yeah, backlog everybody. You just have to try to turn around quick and stalk them. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm going to have to start doing is just following them and try to get them to a place where it's open. Right. <laughs> you just have to be like, Spider-Man, hold on. Yeah. And then five Spider-Mans turn around. No, none of you. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, no, I, I did see some good cosplay though. But the for all the good cosplay, you think oh, I must have seen it all. Then you start looking through other people's twitters and photos, and like, where the heck were they? Yeah. You know, where was the whole family dressed up like X Men? You know, right. I didn't see that. How did I miss? How did I miss a guy dressed as Colossus? <laughs> I I only saw a glance of him, but there was one guy who his costume was just jeans, a tank top. And he was Wolverine. Yeah. And he looked like Wolverine yeah. because he was ripped. He had the cigar in his mouth. He did his hair. This said, like, he wasn't wearing anything fake. And I'm just standing there going, like, this Impressive. guy is uh, blessed with a physique and he knew how to use it. <laughs> there was a guy that was blessed with a face, not unlike Keanu Reeves. I saw that and picture. He was down there as John Wick. <laughs> It'd be funny if he, like, hates Keanu Reeves. He's like, well, I just know how to go with it. Yeah. Tweeted that uh, picture to, uh, M from Verbal Diorama, who was a big saw that. Keanu Reeves. She you, every time she talks up a Keanu Reeves movie, she's just you know, it's like someone eating chocolate. You know, she, <laughs> she just loves the guy. I'm like, it could be him. <laughs> she's like, my heart almost skipped a beat. <laughs> all right, well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yep. Um, uh, hopefully, you guys have all heard. Like I said, hopefully it dropped before now. If not, it will soon. <laughs> There's a, the problem with some of the Q and A's, especially the unmoderated ones, especially with someone like Brent Spiner who can just, and frankly Will Wheaton that can just talk. You know, they talk and they go. It's like I don't want to share it all. I want. Right. I got to figure out what bits to cut. Where's that, the gym? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to whittle it down. Mm. So what kind of news did you bring today? I don't have anything. I really don't have any news. Nothing's really come up for me. Ding dong. Movie Pass is gone. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's dead. Yes. They have closed the doors. I did hear about that. <laughs> Rest in pieces. <laughs> but didn't I hear that someone was trying to write, already kind of bring it back? If you were to do that, you'd all automatically be at a disadvantage from name alone. If you want to bring it back, you have to rebrand it. Oh, yeah. So then you're not really bringing it back. You're just starting up a concept because there's no money there. There's no, there's mm-hmm. nothing to start with unless you want to get like the original group back together and name it something else and do it right and not let the powerhouse come in and, and sink your ship mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's yeah. the only way to fix that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I heard just the, it was just a couple of weeks ago that they just the weekend came up and they just flicked a switch and turned it off. Yeah, so that's it. We're done. Surprise to no one. No, exactly. Well, they when they started actually like ripping people and uh, the, oh, your password's wrong. That's weird. Right. Uh, that the dirty handed stuff. Yep. That, They're all just getting out of there and they'll just point fingers at somebody else. That way, nobody actually gets sued. And like mm-hmm. now, there's no company to sue. And yeah. Yep. Well, nice idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, other bit, you you might like this. The CW is going to reboot Dark Shadows as I Dark did... Shadows reincarnation. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, be curious to see. It'll be curious to see. Let me just put it that way. Um, I keep falling off. I keep getting back in and watching a couple episodes and then dropping off for a few weeks or a month. I haven't. There's so much of the old Dark Shadows to watch that it's a little daunting, and I have not been able to get myself to get back into it again. Um, but, you know, I've enjoyed what I've seen, but there's a certain kitsch factor to that, too. You know, it's not necessarily that it's good. A lot of it is entertaining just because of the fact that it was live, that it was actors 
looking for the cue card or trying to waste time while they remembered their line or, you know, the stage hand in the background, <laughs> that kind of stuff. There's a lot of that to my enjoyment added into it that if you do it all really clean and neat, like you would have to today. What if they don't? What if, if they choose to embrace that side of it? If they, if they would actually bring it back and do it live or even way. if they were just like, we're only doing one take. Good luck, everyone. Yeah, maybe something like that. That I would, I would be interested to see what would happen. Last bit of news I have, because it's just going to grow into the biggest event ever, Tom Welling and Erica Durance, stars of Smallville, will be back as Superman and Lois Lane for the Arrowverse crossover. Yeah, they're bringing a lot of people. <laughs> to the point where I'm just sort of like, okay... Where's everybody going to go? Yeah, <laughs> we don't have that much time. I find it interesting they keep they 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 bring up some names of like these actors that have played Superman or whatever and they'd say they're going to be Clark Kent. Not that they're going to be Superman. They've okay. said him as Superman. Really? Okay. So it will be interesting to see just how it all plays out. I mean, we are talking multiverse, so yep. there's going to be universes where I never became Superman or I never became Wonder Woman, you know, they're talking like Linda Carter and all this, but not necessarily everyone's attached to the name of which they're known for. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few hours of television. There's one I kept forgetting to bring up that uh, was really interesting is Burt Ward is coming back Ooh, as his that. Robin. I hadn't heard that. Yes. He's supposed to make an appearance as his grown-up Robin. Grown-up retired Robin? Right. Yeah. I guess in a world where his post, Batman has post died. Post-Night King or, or Nightwing, maybe, even? It, it just They kept saying Burt Ward will be his Robin. Interesting. Yes. I, that was announced a while ago. And really? I, just, I missed if, it. I forgot it. Oh, I missed it. I completely missed that. That was around, like, it was just before it was announced that Brandon Routh would be Superman again. So that got lost in the shuffle for me. Oh, yeah. There you go. But yeah, like the, it, it, pretty much anyone who's alive and is willing to come back is going to get to oh, be on this. So sad Adam West passed away. Exactly. <laughs> so Talk sad. Talk about perfect. That would have been. You could have really had like awesome. him and Kevin Conroy as two old Batman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been that would have been incredible. Right. I I wouldn't doubt if they're trying to like call up Michael Keaton at this point and be like 10 minutes of your time. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just swing by. Right. You know. No, no, don't don't worry about a costume. Do you want to be in you're Vancouver good. for a weekend? You <laughs> no, you're not going to be Batman. Right, it's going to be Bruce Wayne. Right, just wear the black tank uh, turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all we need. Yeah, I I can't wait to see what they come up with with mm -hmm. this. It is going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun. This is actually going to be. I almost kind of feel like you know, there's so many, there's so much talk about some of these shows finally kind of coming to their end. Is this going to be like sort of the final love letter? Thanks for everything. I think it is for Stephen Amell. Mm -hmm. I think this is his uh, way way out. Yeah, just end on a high note. Mm -hmm. Thanks to all the fans. Yeah, this is what you were able to help me do. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Only other thing is, I did take in a few movies the last couple of weeks. Wait, I saw Good Boys. That was the uh, comedy with like the. Oh, the, the kids. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies where the best jokes are in the trailer. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, it chapter two. Yeah. Now I hear it's kind of mostly good about it. I've heard a few people kind of go meh. So meh. You you were a meh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It it was less scared than the other one. Um, it as a character is throughout the movie 
but Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise is not in the movie all that much, hmm. and he's the best part. His performance yeah. as Pennywise is is fantastic, and just like his wordplay, and they didn't use enough of him. And yeah. even though I will say, for a movie that was almost three hours, it shot right by. Oh, I was never yeah. bored. I was just sort of like, we're, we're just going from scary scene to scary scene, and that that's not what we needed. Because in the Stephen King novel, you get so much more of. The town is as much at fault as this creature Mm -hmm. that's influencing them, and the town pretty much never plays a role. The town kind of is unaware that anything's going on. You want a little bit more story versus just scenes? Yeah, because that's really all it was. Um, Yeah, it was a bit of a bummer that they just decided to like have each member of the Losers Club go back and retrace something from their past and try to remember something, and then you just, as each of them were on their own, they got a scare and then you went to the next scene with the next character they got a scare and mm. it's like why are we just like that's an hour of the movie sounds like like a highlight reel of an anthology series or yeah something. and yeah. <laughs> it, it's not necessary because you get to the end of the movie you're like oh, we didn't need any of that mm. like we could have done so many other things and it was unfortunate that that's how they focused right. everything interesting yeah that's a shame but the highlight of what i saw in the last couple of weeks and i did not think this would be a good movie was the uh, constance Wu and jennifer lopez movie hustlers Okay. Have you? Did you see the trailer for that? I've seen the trailer. Yeah. It was really good. The trailer does not do it justice. It's about a bunch of women who are trying to kind of take back what's theirs in a broken system of the world. Um, so it's set kind of pre-market crash, like 2008. And then you can see how, you know, all of the Wall Street guys are, are the biggest ones to go to the strip club. And those are their biggest clientele. And then the market crashes and they lose all of their clients. And Mm -hmm. then they figure out a way to kind of get money back. And it's like, you know, because they're treated so poorly and they don't have like uh, a lot of them don't have finished education. So they can't get a job anywhere else. So what do they do? And they figure out ways to start like taking advantage of these people that's who've taken advantage of them. And it's this really interesting crime drama. Hmm. I loved it. It was great. Interesting. Yeah, we don't get enough good crime dramas in the in film these days. They seem to that seems to be kind of oh, that's television stuff or something. Right. You know, we could use a little a few more films, decent good crime stories. I yeah. like it. Yeah, so I I really enjoyed it. That's the one I would recommend. Sweet, good. Yeah, I have not watched anything of any real significance. I've been kind of going on just kind of a trash movie <laughs> binges here lately, just just because. Um, because I just haven't really wanted to <laughs> invest. It was I've been watching movies, the kind of movies where you can sit on playing your phone while the movie's on, mm. kind of thing. So yeah, I haven't uh, haven't gotten into my back into my underworld uh, you know, rewatches oh, no. or anything. I I did watch the second one. Okay. I did go back and watch the second one, which is still okay. I the, my problem with the second film is they add mythology to a mytholo- to something that already had enough mythology. It's like, well, why are you adding to that? Did anyone see this book before kind it, of thing? It's, yeah, it's exactly. You know, we we deal with the, the you know, the the past of the lichens and the vampires and then suddenly now we have you know, we meet the father of the two sons that become I'm like really? Yeah. <laughs> Did we really need that? And now but then even that it's that that is an interesting thing. Okay, I like it, but it doesn't go anywhere, and he's dead by the end of the film. 
I like that way we oh. can just rinse and repeat for the next one. Yeah, and they 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 uh, Derek Jacoby is the is the actor that they had portraying. So you're like powerhouse actor, interesting character, not explained. Dead. Why is he? <laughs> why is he immortal? Why was he immortal in the in the first place? Much less what happened to his sons that one became vampire, one became wolfa. Great, but it's all, and we're done. I'm yeah. Like, oh, really? Okay, so, so what's going to happen on the next film? So yeah, more action set pieces. Yeah, I think so, but it's still, uh, still decent um, action scenes in the second one. Still a lot of practical, still a lot of wire work and that sort of stuff. So it's still fun. Mm. Not quite as heavy in the CGI yet, but like I said, I the CGI I think starts picking up in the next few films, if I'm mm. not mistaken. So we'll find out. So yeah, that's a uh, that's about it for me. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So I guess, you know, since, uh, well, let's go ahead and take a little, a short break here, play a promo for another podcast. When we get back, we're going to look at, I think it's 1972's The Stone Tape. Henry Kuto here, and I have got yet another very exciting secret Blu-ray release to reveal to you right now. Henrik Kuto's Backyard Legacy Collection. This is over six hours of the films, the shorts, and the cable access programming that I did as a teenager. This is the epitome of shot on video. This is how I started, how I got my career going. So I figured I'd put it out in a loving collection just for the big, big time fans. So please grab yourself a copy. It's up for pre-order right now, unless you're watching this after July 27th, in which case it is shipping right now. Grab yourself a copy because I got to say, I have been impressed with the last few releases we've done. Physical media is not dead. It's still kicking butt. It's still taking names. And you know what? Uh, That's enough talking. How about I show you just a little bit of what the Backyard Legacy is all about? video analog goodness let's be honest quantity over quality nine hours of stuff grab yourself a copy right now at henflix.com and uh while you're there maybe grab a couple other blu-rays if you haven't because let's keep the physical media train rolling let's keep making awesome releases with awesome artwork and keep the love of cinema going because that's what it's all about i got really intense toward the end there and it startled me and it probably startled you henflix.com grab yourself one yeah, going into this episode will be the first episode dropping in October, so we figured we would start the the haunting season with a little bit of a ghost story. Uh, this is a story that aired in 1972 on BBC Two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it aired in during the holiday season because they have a fun little tradition over there to do ghost stories for Christmas, which I think is really awesome. If you think about it, you know, uh, a Christmas carol is a ghost story. It's true. So why not keep the tradition going? I love that idea. They uh, snuck in the Christmas letter. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They did in this. They, they make it holiday theme. Ah, it's a yeah. Here's a letter. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was a film that I learned about by listening to another podcast that mm-hmm. was looking into you know 
British sci-fi and horror and whatever. And they're like, well, that sounded interesting. So I, I, I dug it up and watched it myself. Nigel Neal uh, wrote the film. And uh, like I was telling you before, Nigel Neal is really good at kind of um, telling supernatural stories, but trying to explain it with either uh, science or science fiction. Uh, one of my favorites is his character, uh, Quatermass. And, and Quatermass in the Pit is a fantastic story. There's a film version, but I would really recommend going back and finding the BBC serial. There's a six-part uh, serial, Quatermass in the Pit, that was done, gosh, I want to say in the 50s. Really impressive TV work. I mean, we can consider some of it, most of it, if I think, was actually done live and broadcast. Uh, really impressive film work. BBC did not, you know, uh, skimp on anything. Really great story and uh, really great, like, in-camera effects. And, again, a little bit like this one where a lot of the the scare is done with just lights and sounds kind of thing and just building up the, of the tension. That's Quatermass. We should talk about it at Stone Tape. Sorry. <laughs> Just trying to set the set the stage for Nigel Neal. If this interested interested you at all, I would I'd definitely seek out more of his of his work. Cool. Do you did you come up with a little bit of a synopsis for I this did. one by chance? A research team tasked with creating a new form of recording medium refurbishes an old English castle where they accidentally discover the echo of a ghost. In doing so, they uncover the very thing they set out to create, but they also find something more malevolent than they ever thought existed. Very nice. Very good. Now, this stars a lot of people that you probably wouldn't be very familiar with. There was only one, I think, person in this that I recognized from any other British television. Everyone else was strangers to me. So, uh, let's see, Michael Bryant, Jane Asher, Ian Cuthbertson, Michael Bates. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of names that maybe if you uh, grew up watching uh, British television, you might recognize, but it wasn't anybody I knew. Ian uh, Cuthbertson, I only know because he was in a Doctor Who. <laughs> it was in a uh, fairly popular Doctor Who, a fourth Doctor, uh, Tom Baker story. So that's the only reason I recognized him. Uh, the actors were all uh, pretty good for the film. I yeah. thought they did a really nice job. And uh, I'm, like I said, this was only probably actually the second time I've seen this. I just I heard about it, watched it. It impressed me. It was something I wanted to rewatch again. This was a great opportunity and a great excuse to do that. So, what did you think about this? It, for me, it started out really odd and really slow. Like I was getting bored mm-hmm. but then once they started getting into the whole explanation side of it and figuring out what was going on that's when i started getting pulled in so it was probably like a good 30 40 minutes in before it had my undivided attention because it starts out with this that weird scene of like jane almost getting hit by the two trucks and i'm just like why did that almost happen right. like she's honking her horn it, they don't seem to see her right right and i started getting Carnival of Souls flashbacks. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to deal with somebody being invisible (laughs) that no one can see and this is going to happen on and off throughout the movie. Please don't happen. That didn't happen. But it was just this weird, like they didn't even have like backing up truck noises to explain why they can't hear her horn honking. Like they almost hit her and there's no reason why they almost hit her. And that even at the end of the movie, there's no explanation. And I thought it was a, a weird way to set up her feeling 
freaked out for mm-hmm. the rest of the movie because I guess that was the whole point of like she has this like near accident and that's why she's so in tune mm. with everything going on. But you could have done it way better than that. She, the, especially because of the way they explained why some people experience it more than others is just that it's just the way some people are. So you could have easily just said she's very sensitive. Right. You didn't need this. Oh, I almost, you know, this shaky, nervous stuff before I went into this house. Yeah, you didn't really need that. And right. so it, it does sit odd. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought the same thing. It happened. And then it's like, well, that happened. Right. And? <laughs> right. That, that, <laughs> no one seems to care. No we, we one, it doesn't s- matter. You we know? could have seen her driving up and almost get run off the road. And like, that makes more sense. But other mm-hmm. than I parked my car and two trucks almost took me out for no reason. Both going at like half a mile an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a weird decision yeah it was the rest of the movie wasn't like that just set me up wrong so like i kept thinking about it for the first 20 minutes i was like why did that happen was she invisible like what's going on so there the first 20 minutes 20 30 minutes of the film that you were talking about is mostly just about them setting up this i mean they're from uh, ryan's electronics Mm -hmm. some electronics firm or something they're setting up uh, effectively like a think tank yeah um, for the specialized team and in a castle yeah, in an old Victorian <laughs> mansion or castle or something like that. And, you know, it's just them setting up and, um, oh, here's your research facilities and this is what we're going to do and all oh, this and, oh, and then it finally gets to, wait, where's all the computer banks? Uh, we couldn't get the work done because the workmen wouldn't, you know, go that's into scary. the room. They're <laughs> like, oh, and that's when it finally kind of kicks off. Why not? Let's go look at this room. <laughs> and that's where we, dis- we discover that this house is actually built on ruins of some kind. They, mm-hmm. they figure these, the foundation was, could go as far back to maybe to the Tudor, you know, I mean, hundreds of years, which the main uh, character, uh, what was his name? Drake? Brock. Peter. P- yeah, yeah Peter. Peter Brock. He, uh, of course, is really concerned because if there's like historical significance to any of it, there, you know, there's going to be tons of, you know, museum people and preservationists. And so he's like, we need to just brick it up and build on top of it and get this done. But they continue to have trouble getting anyone to work in this room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they quickly find out why when they all actually have their own experience. I think, uh, I forget her name, Jill. Jill has the first one. Right. Jill actually sees this, this apparition, a ghost. And then uh, she brings Peter in, and I think, I think he actually hears her. He hears her scream. He hears footsteps and a scream, and they manage to get the whole team in there. And they, the whole team, in some level or another, experience this. Uh, some see it. I think Jill's the only one that ever sees it. I think everyone else hears it. One other person keeps saying he's seeing it for like an instant. Like there's a moment here, a moment there, where he's like, "I thought I saw it." And yeah, but she's the only one that's getting like a clear picture. Right. And they, they realize that not, there's a few people on the team that are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, 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 and there's others like, yeah, I thought I heard something. There was just a little something. And so they decide that they're going to pause their work on trying to develop the DVD or whatever it is. Before they even started, which to me, I was waiting for the line of someone being like, that's not why we're here. Why are we all of a sudden paranormal investigators? (laughs) None of us know how to do this. We're here to make a new recording 
device. Right. What, what's going on? Yeah, they're trying to get away from magnetic tape. That's the right. whole thing. Uh, so they're trying to invent the CD. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so they decide that they're going to try to actually investigate this thing, maybe even capture it in some way or something. But none of their equipment catches it. They're all in the room. They've got all the recording. The guy who's listening to it with the headphones doesn't hear anything. You know, everyone else hears the scream. He doesn't hear anything. It's not recorded. And finally, and this is probably the only part that I, I kind of didn't care for this film, is this shortcutting with the computer. Mm. Uh, the idea is they're they're using the computer and the computer's there to, so everyone's doing this research. Well, all the research, he's entered in this computer, and the computer was then going to, like, find connections that could be used. It felt like someone's like, I really want this to be scientific, but I don't really know anything about computers. Right. Because <laughs> it looks like a big old typewriter. Right. Well, right. it's 1970. It's the early 70s. This probably kind of was what computers were then. There's a lot of, let's put in the variables, and then suddenly someone reads a sheet and like, what's this? And... Oh my gosh! It's 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 this. We should go do this. I'm like, wow. Okay, that saves you twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> of exactly. explanation. Uh huh. So that's my my kind of my only gripe with the with the is, is the using the computer is the shortcut to get the plot moving. Right. Because with the computer and everything, they did they determined that what they're actually hearing is, yeah, um, an echo of the past. Something traumatic happened that actually has been like recorded within the stones. Yep. That all comes out. Thanks to lots of very loud computer noises. <laughs> <laughs> and then they determine that it's not something that you're actually hearing. It's something that is going straight into your mind. You're mm-hmm. picking it up on this kind of like subliminal level telepathically. Mm-hmm. And even the changes in temperature are it. You're not at that. Like they should have like put a thermometer in the room, been like, "See, it never changed, but it right. felt colder, but it didn't change. You thought you felt colder." Yeah, they did have their little uh, their sensors that were supposedly light up if there was a temperature change, and they never light up. So right. they do some, they do sort of do something like that. Yet everyone, yeah, gets that chill or something like that. I like the idea. I, I think it's a neat idea. Apparently, this film has actually been real influential among like a the. Lot. Uh, even among like the uh, the paranormal circles and everything too, that that idea that an event could be recorded by a structure, by a house or something like that, has actually been referred to now as the stone tape theory. Yeah, and that came from this film, mm-hmm. not the other way around. <laughs> like that's really cool. I thought yep. that was fun. Yeah, and then the um, the actual idea of the film, the idea of the scientific team kind of investigating and everything. You can you can take that up to um was it is it uh clive barker no um prince of darkness i don't that's not clive barker yeah another uh mid-80s uh horror film uh same idea T- team of investigators go to a church and mm. um but then you could also go into like poltergeist yep. uh very influential for a lot of things that would come later right john carpenter that's it prince oh, of darkness okay. john yeah, carpenter's yeah. prince of darkness yes uh, so yeah, an incredibly influential film uh, for both in scientific or paranormal scientific and in entertainment. So I thought that was really uh, it was pretty neat to kind of read about and go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. But this is kind of one of the one of the first. Yeah, because um, that that's a concept in horror that is just sort of out there now to the point that you know I didn't really know that it had an origin, but th- this is it of like you know 
uh, something horrible happens in a house or a building or wherever, now that place is kind of scarred mm-hmm. forever. And it's it's in the structure itself. And yeah, here, that that was kind of cool to just see kind of patient zero of, of a film doing that. <laughs> exactly. And you do wonder if you could have taken this that this odd film was actually just, you know, it's an hour and a half. It's it's pretty tight. You couldn't really explore it in this, but it would be an interesting... And I haven't seen other films explore it that right now it's typically something terrible. But it would be interesting that someone could talk about, well, no, something really good happened here. And that could also be transferred to a, to a home or whatever. Right. That, that would be an interesting take on it as well. That it doesn't have to be traumatic. It just has to be powerful. Yeah. That would be neat. And I like how they they determined it had to be these particular kinds of stones. Mm. And the one, you know, Peter was like, are they rare? And the guy goes, actually, they're everywhere. Like, right. they've been... Yeah, most know. of London's built on this stuff. And then he goes, well, that explains all the hauntings that people have. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, that was a clever line. Yeah, that very was much. well thought out. Yeah, they talk about it's kind of just like a... It's a typical quarry stone, but it also has a high crystalline content. So yeah. it's like... Really, that's a lot of the stuff was really ahead of time. People are still investigating the idea of you know storing information in in, in crystalline format. I mean, that's still that this is pretty early uh, adapter of that kind of uh, mm-hmm. theory. So, and then people are still talking about trying to do you know crystals making the next you know media platform or right. whatever. Superman, <laughs> they did that in Superman. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Yeah. So again, another real ahead of its time. Um, so yeah, and, and so they decide that this is their new medium. They could they could use this somehow. You could actually like wear jewelry that would be, you know, receivers right. or transmitters, and and yeah, that in itself. I mean, look about it now. We kind of have that technology, yep. although it's not based in granite. Right, <laughs> it's based in electronics. <laughs> yeah, but uh, silicon. <laughs> yeah. The interesting part of the movie to me was that they could never figure out the trigger. They could never figure out how to record something or how to make the recording play back. Mm-hmm. And they kept trying all of these different theories of, is it vibration? Is it light? Is it sound? Why does it just sort of happen? And they never answered that question, no. which I thought was um, a, a good choice mm-hmm. of not having something at the end of like, oh, it was this the whole time. And right. it's just It just happens. Maybe it's attuned to the person. Maybe it's whatever. They kind of, I guess, a little bit make it seem as though it is a vibration thing because Mm -hmm. they keep testing thing after thing and frequency after frequency. And Peter starts to go mad. Yes, he does. And he just starts... Obsessed. Yeah, he just starts firing sound and light at it. And then he accidentally erases the most recent recording. Mm -hmm. So it is related to it somehow. He just can't figure it out. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He kind of discovers more of how to imprint rather than to get... Pull the stuff yeah. off, yeah. Uh, I I liked that scene when he is just he's, he's obsessed and he's losing it. Yeah, and he's got that weird sound horn, uh, electronic sound horn. He just starts blasting the wall, and everyone finally leaves the room. They can't stand it. I'm just surprised that at no point nobody had noise canceling earmuffs. <laughs> like, you know, we know we're going to be shooting sound all day long. Maybe protect your ears. And they're supposedly using lasers and right. no eye no, protection. Nothing. Yeah. 1970s man (laughs) good luck that's why they need this to be transferred straight to your brain because everyone's going to be deaf yeah (laughs) yeah we talked about some of the you know the actors uh yeah first of all uh michael bryant played peter brock does a good man obsessed yes Uh, he does 
he is like just a uh, he starts out with he he's a businessman but he he's you know he's just an electronics expert he's leading his team and he's very gun ho he's kind of like feels he's got the uh, the president of the company kind of wrapped around his finger and when that starts to unravel a little bit so does he mm-hmm. you know things start getting out of his control you know the his uh another i guess kind of he doesn't consider him as equal equal on the level of his employment, whatever the guy trying to design the electronic washing machine yeah. who wants to move into this really new, this great facility. And he's trying to keep him out. And when, uh, when he can't keep him out, I think that's really the straw that breaks the back. <laughs> and yeah, he completely just unravels, becomes very obsessed with this and he can't explain what he's trying to do. And that I think adds to his sort of, um, uh, frustration yeah uh and then you definitely get the impression he's been having an affair with jill and that kind of starts breaking down yep um i like the way they do that they never it's never explicit it's just done in actions yep and it's done with the you know she's he's got the big uh private office apartment upstairs and he's got her up there after she's had a panic attack or something like that. She's up there kind of relaxing. He's giving her a drink or whatever. And then the phone rings. Oh, it's his wife. And he's talking to his wife and about the kids and all great. And you know, you get the look between the two and then she leaves the room and it's like, ah, it's that kind of relationship. Yeah. Really nicely done. It's television maybe. So you don't want to be real explicit, but it's kind of like you can tell. Maybe the kids can't tell, but you can. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the grownups can tell. Uh, I thought that was really well done. Uh, speaking of, of, of Jill, uh, Jane Asher again, another actress that can convey panic and she looked terrified. Yeah, and she looked ragged by yeah. the end. And she's acting off of nothing. That's the mm-hmm. other part. Is like we we do see like these ghosts for half a second, but it's mostly just. You know, that's not actually happening in the moment. That's all done in post. Right. So she's reacting to nothing yeah. and doing a very good job of it. Yeah. The uh, the screams that you hear, probably done in post. I yeah. don't, but may, maybe they had someone, in, you know, off to the side. Ah! Right. You know. <laughs> but uh, no, they, everyone did a fantastic job. I, I love the, everyone involved. It just, even the minor characters are still kind of like, fun characters they have their own little personalities you mm. they, you get the feeling that they've been working together for a while and the, the way they joke together and a few of them can see that uh, uh that brock is kind of losing it and they can see what he's doing to jill and but so they're kind of on jill's side right <laughs> it all comes out without anyone actually coming out and Jill, I'm on your side. You know, it's yeah. just in their actions and how they they act around everybody else, or the just the the glances between them. It was really well directed. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of that comes from. And I thought it was interesting that you know he Peter accidentally wipes the tape, and so that's kind of what helps him regain control of his mm-hmm. sanity, right? Because it's, it's like okay, well, it's done. Right, but yeah. he even he's like, "That's what I wanted to do from the whole from the start." It's like, "No, you <laughs> didn't. We were all here. You mm-hmm. went nuts." Right, but then he's just sort of like, "We're not doing anymore. Throw out that all research. We're getting back to what we were set out to do." But Jill can't let it go. No, 
And she the, she's worried about the person who's in the recording, the uh, Louisa, Louisa. Louisa. Mm-hmm. Um, she's concerned. Like, is it just a recording, or is she trying to say? She's something? still in that moment. Yeah. Right? So she keeps digging, and she realizes there's multiple recordings on this, and only the most recent one got erased. And there's right. something deeper. Yeah. Again, and that a lot of that does come out again with the computer shorthand right you know it's just her pounding away on the keys and then looking at something on a piece of paper and going oh so there's got to be more recordings but then she comes up with the idea that they'd have to degrade over time Mm -hmm. so they wouldn't be as precise they wouldn't be you couldn't pick them out uh, like you could louisa you could hear the footsteps and the scream of louisa and that in the end i guess do we want to kind of spoil the i it's an older movie. Yeah, yeah. I just it's 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 one that I still hope I hope people go and kind of seek out and watch for yourself. But yeah, so there is spoil. If you don't want to know how this ends, you know, stop now and come back later. But I like that she finally she goes back to that room after realizing and you know, she is the most sensitive of everybody. So she can still pick something up. And it's these shapes and noises that you can't make out everything is just blobs of light and just a cacophony of noises right and it's just drives her a little a little mad and she climbs these stairs and it probably isn't the you kind of get the feeling that what we're seeing is whatever happened to louisa is being yeah. replayed in jill mm-hmm. because the the height of the stairs someone even pointed out doesn't seem like it'd be high enough to kill somebody. Right. Uh, maybe break a leg, but not not to kill. And, well, the reason is, is they're effectively driven out of their mind. I mean, they have a nervous breakdown. They probably have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is what actually kills them. And that's what happens to Jill. And then poor, and I, I almost said poor Peter, but honestly, I think he has it coming. He does. He, uh, they were trying to find... Jill, they, they, they find her body. He's the only one in the room. And now the room has the recording of Jill. Oh, that's a great ending. And he sees the recording. Yes. They, they really make you... Well, you, you, you can't, you don't know. He looks he like he might be it. sees it, but he's definitely hearing it. And maybe he's seeing something. Right. But in that, a room that is now going to be preserved. Yes, because all the uh, yeah, because the the guy that he was trying to keep out of the place is kind of like like tipped him off, tipped off the preservationists yeah. now, you know, and a a uh, act of revenge. That's a great ending. Yeah. I love the fact. I mean, it's like oh. This is a dark ending. It's a very dark There's ending. There's no happy ending for anybody here. That's what really kind of made the movie for me. I'm not that into paranormal horror, but when it ends badly, <laughs> I love it. If you're going to put a ghost in a movie, let the ghost win. <laughs> yes, yes. But I love the fact that, that you know, this is, you, you wonder, has this been replayed? Is that's what the recordings in these walls really is, is just this being replayed over and over throughout history. I like that idea. Yeah. A hundred years from now, it'll it'll play out again. And I, I like that you kind of have to really use your imagination for what's going on to Jill. Like, they don't show the monster. You just get, like, these greens and these blues, and it's just sort of 
light blobs and she's just again reacting off of nothing so you're just sitting there going like is because there's this whole thing of like oh there there was an exorcism performed and it was it was centuries ago and so it's like is it a demon is she seeing a monster is it a ghost is it something else like Mm -hmm. fill in that blank the answer is yes yeah (laughs) and i i always like you know don't show us the monster it's not Mm -hmm. gonna look good especially 1972 tv movie (laughs) yes Yes. it's gonna look horrible so they made the right call there yeah they do the exactly the right thing is you could have even removed those lights Mm -hmm. and i think that would have enhanced it further yeah it is a matter of uh your imagination is going to be far better and more scary than anything they could show you on film yeah. That is a lesson that many filmmakers fail to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, this one, they did it right. Yeah. They really did. Now, although I will admit, I, I like the fact that we've discovered, or she's discovered that it was the, that all the, all these old recordings must have degraded or whatever. So what we actually see is that, you know, is something there, but it's unformed. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's degraded. It's old data or whatever so it's it's not whole and i'm like i like that yeah it was really good yeah so yeah nigel neal nice job (laughs) (laughs) and i kept wondering if there was intention to um to have jill be like the only woman in the group Mm. because it's her and then it's all of these men yeah and they they don't come right out and say it but they very much play it off of like because you know it starts out with her having that scare and they're all just sort of like She's emotional. She's she's this, she's that. Mm. But then she's the one who's most in tune with this recording. And then they're like, we need her to be mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. And it's very much about them kind of using her. And there's even that scene before it gets into the paranormal part where Peter is like, you're the smart one. I need your brain. I need you to help us figure this out. Like he really just wants to use her right. to push him, you know, bring himself up and, and further his own success. But then she's the one that becomes obsessed with this and they're like, you have to stop. This is over. And she keeps, and it leads to her death. And Mm -hmm. even as she's like running around telling people like, there's still something going on. There's still something to uncover. They're like, you're just having a breakdown. Right. And they destroy her work. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like the worst thing that they did to her in this whole mistake. She's already died. And they're like, we have to cover this up, destroy her work. And one guy gets so angry. He knocks Peter down Mm -hmm. and all of that. And then it's just sort of like, was, was there an intention here to say about how like men treat women? Yeah. (laughs) Because it was very heavy Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get that out of my head that that was going on. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, that's a good question. I mean, there is a lot of this where you could say the story is fairly sexist, but she's the, yeah, she's the, the linchpin that everybody needs. So suddenly now she's the empowered woman. Yeah. But then in the end it's sexist again. Yeah. Right. Uh, How Peter treats her the whole time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is. Whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. But that is definitely something that can be read and viewed at it now. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Peter. Uh, Peter's a cad. We even see that he. Uh, <laughs> we even see that he. Uh, you know, after he and Jill apparently stop seeing each other, he. There's the secretary. He, right. Suddenly she's upstairs, nothing but a shirt. <laughs> like, hmm. Nice, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a cad. Uh, I I hope he was finally driven mad at the end there too. Probably. <laughs> Hopefully, may, maybe he's imprinted in those walls now. No, that's good. I'm glad you enjoyed this one. I this is one I figured like, well, 
Matt is either going to be interested or he's going to hate it. <laughs> I really didn't think there was going to be any gray area area on this for you. It started out slow, but it really picks up. Yeah, good. Because I know it is it is dated. It's 1972. It is very dated. There is definitely some sexism involved. Um, horrible. No, no OSHA, whatever, <laughs> whatsoever in here. And the science is a little wibbly-wobbly. Like I said, I think it, right. it, someone was trying to be... Nigel Neal trying to be scientific without really knowing all that much about the science he was talking right. about, but he still manages to get it across, at least the idea and the theme across pretty well. Yeah, and as we said, you can really see how this did go on to influence things. So people mm-hmm. did take this idea and this concept and they've done better work with it. So it's very important from mm-hmm. just that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else you wanted to say? I think that's pretty much the tall and skinny of it there. Mm-hmm. Pretty good movie. Good. So I think that was a, that's a good start for our October. You know, one one good ghost story in October. I think that's that's really good. So next time we talk, not a ghost story, not a ghost story, <laughs> but still, you know, October is a fun month. So I definitely uh, it sounds like a film that is going to be fun. Uh, so we're going to watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So yeah, 2010. Um, I'm the only one in the world that hasn't seen this film, so this should be fun. Uh, I've heard plenty about it. Uh, I've heard it's the film that I should have seen. <laughs> yep. So, so yeah, I will definitely uh, definitely check that out. Speaking of Emma, the verbal diorama, she just covered it, but I've decided not to listen to that. Same. I did the same thing. <laughs> I, can, I will listen to it after because that cannot influence my thinking. Yes, exactly. I will watch the film and I we will discuss it here before I go back and listen to her episode. And uh, by the way, uh, that is a podcast, if I could do a podcast recommendation, I would strongly recommend Verbal Diorama. She does a really fantastic job. It's usually just her. Yeah, it's about amazing. It's 30, 40 minutes of a show, and she just sits there, she'll watch a movie, and she'll just talk about her thoughts on this film. And With she a ton does, of research. She does a, put a, puts a lot of research in it. Uh, she... Uh, She's very good about uh, if you have comments, if you have your own thoughts on the film, she always puts that out on the Twitter and the Instagram and Facebook or whatever. And she's very connected to the uh, to social media and everything. Really brilliant job that she does. And she's just started out. She just started that out this year. Yeah. Uh, but she hit the ground running and has done a really fantastic job. So that was Verbal Diorama is definitely a podcast I would recommend. But that's going to do it for Time Shifters, which is, of course, the podcast I strongest recommend, you know. But uh, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye.